others right now, some other folks just grieving and such a, uh, having such a hard time that I just felt like maybe we needed to change directions. I honestly, I had planned on giving this to our countdown crowd. And the more and more I looked at this outline, I thought, Lord, this is really, this is really what our church needs right now. And so uh, I want to talk to you about the subject that you see on the screen today, the believer's attitude toward adversity. And so if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 10, Psalm chapter 10, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 10 and verse number 1, and I'm just going to do my best just to give you what the Lord's laid on my heart. Um, Psalm chapter 10 and verse number 1. The psalmist said, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them, talking about the wicked, let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways, talking about the wicked, his ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. And notice the response to that. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. And you may be seated this morning. And I want to focus on verse number six, if I could just for a few moments today, talking about the wicked, talking about the foolish man. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. Well, how many would agree we're living in a time when there's no shortage of, of adversity? And, and it's not just my wife and I were having this conversation, and it's not just in our crowd. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's not just in your little group of friends on Facebook. It's everywhere. It's not just in North Carolina. It's everywhere. It's not just in America. It's everywhere. Now, we know, we know what's going on. And somebody, and, and, and if we're not careful, a lot of times we look at, uh, at all that's going on in our society and all that's going on in our generation and, uh, and we sort of look at it and we say, man, what in the world is going on? And I like what someone said the other day. Someone said that the world is actually not falling apart. The world is falling in place. And that, that's accurate. It really is. Someone says, Pastor, what's going on with, with everything that we're seeing unfolding in the news? And, uh, and my wife and I, boy, our, our news consumption is so limited. And, and I know that you have to be careful about that. But, uh, and I know that there are even some that take a little issue with me on that. But, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't need to walk in here on Sunday morning defeated and depressed and discouraged and, 
Um, and, but if, if you watch the news, especially if you watch a lot of the news and, and you camp out there a lot and you're reading the newspaper and you're reading all the news reports and things like that, and sometimes we're tempted to say, man, what in the world is going on? And I just want to tell you that what's going on is, is we're seeing Bible prophecy unfold. And all these years we preached it that it's going to come. And guess what happened? Guess what's happened? It's coming. It's coming. It's here. It's in the back door. And that's why we say, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, you better get ready because, uh, and here's the thing, you don't, have to take, you don't have to take my word for it if you don't want to, but I'm telling you, just look around because uh, the Bible is becoming more and more relevant every single day and it's like reading the newspaper and, uh, and the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Now, if you know Christ, here's the thing. That is, that's not, a, that's not a, a down note to you. That's not a depressing note. That's an encouraging note because we know that for the child of God, for the child of God, uh, listen, business is about to pick up and it's gonna get better for us when we meet the Lord. Listen, it's not gonna get sad. It's gonna get glad and everybody will be happy over there. And so uh, take courage, child of God. Everything's gonna be okay. But I wanna address this thing of adversity today. And I've heard, you know, I've, uh, my, my wife and I, we've been, you know, ministering this week and I've heard several people say things. And by the way, it's the kind of things that people say when adversity comes. And so I want to try to address it a little bit from a biblical standpoint today, adversity. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to help us because we definitely need his help today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And thank you for the privilege to be here today. God, as I try as your under shepherd as I try to just speak some words of life into the hearts and minds and the lives of your people, I pray, Father, that you'd help me right now. God, I understand and acknowledge and confess that I am flesh. Lord, I'm made out of the same stuff that they are. And Lord, even preachers sometimes have questions. Lord, many times preachers don't understand everything that's going on. I'm going to be honest. We've had that conversation this week. I don't understand. But I understand that you understand. And that's enough. I understand that the, that the prophet Isaiah said that your ways are not mine. And that your thoughts are not my way, my thoughts. And your thoughts are much higher than mine. And so, Father, as, just, as we take just a few moments, and Lord, here's, here's the truth, that if there's someone in this room who's not facing adversity now, there's a very good chance it's on the way. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit now, and I pray that our words would be clear and on point. And I pray that we'll make sense. And I pray most of all that we will glorify Christ. And so, Father, be with us and help us now. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. And notice what the wicked says in verse number six. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I'm, I'm doing well. Footloose and fancy free. Everything's good. That's what he's saying. Why do I need church? I don't need preaching. 
Now, you weak-minded Christians, uh, you need preaching. You need church. You need those Christians that are around you. But the wicked says, I shall not be moved. And this is his reasoning, for I shall never be in adversity. And how many people are, are there out there today who just feel like, and you know some of them, and you work with some of them, and you, uh, some of you have them in your families, some of you live near them, and, and when you invite them to the church, they're like, I don't need church. Why should I come to church? Everything's good. I've got a great job. I'm making a lot of money. I've got the finest car that money can buy. I've got a roof over my head, and not just a roof over my head, but I've got a fine house. We live on the lake. I've got a boat. We've got two jet skis. I mean, we're doing great. And a lot of folk just feel like, you know what? I don't need Christ. I don't need God. I don't need the church. By the way, there are even some, if you're not careful, there are even some among the religious community who would have you think like that. That as long, and this is... Let me help us. Let me help us. Because if you're not careful, you will get involved with some of these folks and then you get really confused. Because there are some who are even what we would call religious people who would have you believe that as long as you're living for Christ, as long as you're going to church and reading your Bible, that the Lord is only going to bless you with blessing and prosperity and there's going to be no negatives in your life, that you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and blessed. And that if you are not healthy and wealthy and blessed, then my dear friend, you are not living close enough to God. And I want to say to all those people, what do you do with the Apostle Paul? Who was probably one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, and yet Paul had his share of adversity. Paul suffered. Paul knew what it was to suffer. Paul knew what it was to struggle. Well, that brings us to the message today. The truth is, folks, adversity is going to come. It's going to come. Now, you can turn there if you want. You don't have to. You can just jot them down. Job chapter 14 and verse number one. Man, if anybody knew about adversity, Job knew about adversity. Job knew about struggles. He knew about problems. Job knew. Listen, you talk about death. Job knew about death. As he had to go to a funeral service and all 10 caskets of his kids were lined up in one service alone and he lost all of his children in one day. He lost his prosperity. He lost his success. And Job speaks forth the words of life under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in Job 14 verse one, Job said this, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We were having that conversation this morning. Life's a vapor. Life's a vapor. It's here for a little while and it vanishes away. And I know you young people that are here this morning, it, you feel like you have forever. And, and I know when you're a teenager, it seems like that you're never gonna get to 16 and you're never gonna quite get to that place where you have your license and you're never gonna get there. But I'm telling you, uh, don't rush the washing machine because uh, just as soon as the older you get, the faster it goes. And then it seems like life's just speeding like a runaway locomotive and it seems like you, you can't get it to, to stop and, and before you know it, you turn around and your kids are grown and they're gone and they're having kids and then your grandkids are getting older and, and uh, oh, listen to me, uh, life is like a vapor and Job said it, it's full of trouble. Jesus said himself in John 16, in the world ye shall have tribulation. It's gonna happen. Hard times are going to come. 
Adversity is going to come knocking on your door. You say, preacher, not me. Yes, it is. You say, but pastor, I'm living for Christ. It's still going to come. Preacher, I'm trying to do every single thing right. It's still going to come. Jesus said tribulation is going to come. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 13, the apostle Paul said this, Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, what's that imply? It implies the evil day is going to come. It's going to come. It doesn't matter if you're a member of the Calvary Baptist Church or you're not a member of the Calvary Baptist Church. Adversity is going to come. The evil day is going to come. It doesn't matter if you're saved. It doesn't matter if you're lost. Adversity is going to come. Trouble is a part of life. Burdens are a part of life. The valleys are a part of life. Storms are a part of life. So if that be the case, and it is, it is. And we've been so reminded of that this week then what does our attitude need to be? As a, as a child of God, as a Christian, because we know that, that problems are going to, going to come, and death is going to come, and sadness is going to come, what should our, as a born-again child of God, what should our attitude be concerning adversity? Well, I've got five points. I don't know if we'll make it all the way through them or not, but how about this? Number one, seek to understand. What do you mean, pastor? Not every day of adversity is God judging you. Everybody listening to me? You see, if, you don't, if you're not careful, you'll watch some of these folks who say, long as you're living for God, you'll have nothing but blessing. No negatives, no dark days, Everything's going to be great. And then all of a sudden the dark days come and you've been listening to these people and you're thinking, what's going on? And so one of the first thoughts we have is when the bottom drops out, this is our, one of our first thoughts. What did I do wrong? Why is God so angry at me? I mean, I've been trying to read my Bible. I've been trying to pray. I, I've been singing to the choir. I've been trying to serve in the ministry. I've been giving my tithe. I've been trying to live for the Lord. I've been trying to do everything right. And, and all of a sudden, man, the bottom just falls out and, and I lose someone that's very dear to me or, or my baby's got cancer or uh, someone I, that I, I, I care for has got COVID and they've not just got COVID, but they're very, very sick or, or preacher, I had the greatest job and now they, they, they walked me into the office of the day and told me that I'm unemployed and, uh, and now I don't have a, an income coming in. And, and, and you say, Pastor, what did I do wrong? I want you to understand something, that just because adversity comes your way doesn't mean that God is mad at you. And it doesn't mean that God is judging you. Now take your Bibles this morning, if you will. If you're in the book of Job, you're in a great, great spot. But I want you to turn over to Job chapter 4 in your Bibles this morning and look at verse number six, Job chapter four and verse number six. Now let me, let me preface what I'm about to say. In Job chapter one and Job chapter two, basically you read it later on, but basically Job's life has fallen apart. Everything, every, every ounce of security that Job ever had has went away. Job's lost his family. Job's lost his homes. Job's lost his health. Job has lost his friends. Job's lost everything that, that, that was secure in his life. Job has lost those things. And in Job chapter four, 
the Bible says that Job has some friends. Quote, I'll put them in italics here. The Bible says that Job's have some friends to come in and try to comfort him. You know what the Bible says about those friends later on? It calls them miserable comforters. So they've come into They've come in to help Job. Job's really low. In fact, uh, we find in our Bible that Job is, uh, is covered from head, from head to foot with sore boils. and He's sitting down in the ash heap just to trying to get some relief from those, the pain of those sore boils. And he's got a, what's called a pot shirt uh, and a, a piece of pottery. And he's scraping the corruption out of those boils. And, and he's gathering some heat from the fire down there. And Job is in, a, uh, Job is in a, a low spot. In fact, he's in the lowest spot that he's ever been in. And these friends come to him. And notice what the friends say. Job chapter four, verse number six. His friend by the name of Eliphaz is speaking. And he says in verse number six, is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee. He's talking to Job and he says, remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent. In other words, friend, if you were really innocent, you wouldn't be going through this. That's exactly what he's saying. Whoever perished being innocent or where were the righteous cut off? Wow. Thanks for sticking a dagger in me when I'm already as low as I can be. Or where were the righteous cut off? Verse eight, even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Man, you know what they're saying, Job? You're reaping what you sowed. You're reaping what you sowed. Verse nine, by the blast of God, they perish and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. In other words, Job, the reason you've lost your kids, the reason you've lost your prosperity, the reason you've lost your health, the reason you've lost your will to live is because you ain't doing something right. But would you take your same Bible and turn over to the book of Job, Job chapter 42, Job 42 And look at verse number seven. Job chapter 42 and verse number seven. And now it's not Job speaking or Eliphaz, but now it's God speaking. And in Job 42 and verse number seven, the Bible says, and it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against thee and thy two friends. Against Job, oh no against him and his two friends. My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken to me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. In other words, you miserable comforters, when you saw Job in his low time, you should have came in and you should have edified him and encouraged him, and yet you came in and you kicked him down, and when he was down, you kicked dirt on him, and you told him that he was wicked and unrighteousness, uh, uh, that you are unrighteous and not serving the Lord. Now listen to me. This is all I'm saying. If you're going through a time of adversity, it may not be because God is judging you. Now I said that to say this, Calvary, understand something, that life comes with adversity. Regardless of whether you're saved or lost. Regardless of whether you're in God's will or you're backslid. Adversity comes. 
In fact, our Bible says in Matthew 5, 45, that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, in other words, that good days come to the good, but bad days come to the good, and good days come to the bad, but bad days come to the bad. And somebody says, well, pastor, if that's the case, if I'm gonna be saved and yet storms are still gonna come, then why even serve the Lord? And this is the reason, because when the storms of life come and the problems come and the bottom falls out you've got a haven to run to I wonder how the world does it when they lose someone very near to them what do you tell the lost man we've cried buckets of tears this week but we knew something that when Brother David closed his eyes here, he opened his eyes there. David was having some trouble breathing. But I'm telling you, folk, and I don't know how this is gonna be, I can't really imagine, but I know this. When David took his last breath here, his lungs inflated over there. And it was not air that you breathe, and it was not air that I breathe, but that next breath was celestial air. How does the world do it? How does the world face adversity and death and problems and storms and valleys without knowing the Lord? You know, it's like the story, and I haven't told this story probably in years and years. And uh, there was a Christian young lady that lived in an apartment building, and and uh, she lived on the bottom floor. The second floor, there was an atheist family that lived there, didn't believe in God, had no regard for the things of the Lord. And the, the son got sick, deathly, deathly sick. They called the doctor in back in, the, back in the day, doctors would come to your home. And they called the doctor in and the doc, doctor did all he could do and he told the family, he said, there's, there's nothing I could do. And the young man was experiencing quite a bit of pain and uh, and this young Christian girl on the first floor knew the Lord. And she thought, you know, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be a blessing to this family and witness to them. And so uh, she got up the nerve and she walked up the stairs and she got to the door and she heard the family speaking to this young man. She heard him through the door. She heard the dad say to the son, son, hold on. Hold on. The doctor said, there's nothing you can do, but hold on. Mom came over and she embraced the boy and she said, son, hold on. Hold on. The, 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 the sister came over and she took the hand of her brother and she said, brother, hold on. I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do, but hold on. And that little Christian girl was outside the door and she didn't mean to be eavesdropping, but, but she heard this conversation and she heard the boy that was about to pass away. She heard him speak up and say this, but there's nothing to hold on to. I'm gonna tell you something. When Brother David passed, he had something to hold on to. And Mr. Amy held his hand until he left this world. But I got news for you. There was a nail-scarred one waiting on the other side. Amen. And took him into the presence of his, of his heavenly father. 
Oh, listen, adversity is going to come. Problems are going to come. Storms are going to come. And when they, un- when they come, seek to understand that not every time that adversity comes, is it the judging hand of God? No. In fact, if you're here this morning and you're God's child, God loves you. You know, it's like the story you've heard me tell many times, but the, but, but the farmer had gathered up. He went out in his field and cleaned up his field and, and he gathered up several large, large piles of brush and, uh, and he was gonna, once he got them all piled up, he was gonna let them dry out and, and, uh, and then he was gonna come back several days later. He was gonna set fire to them and just burn them all down. And, and so uh, he got the field cleaned up and got the brush piles all put together. Uh, about a day later, he came out and just walking through the field and he noticed a little bird, a little bird had begun building a nest in one of the brush piles. And so the farmer knew what was going to happen. So he reached in and took this partially built bird nest. He took it out. He just wrinkled, you know, ripped it up, threw it on the ground. I'm sure the little bird came back and the little bird thought, man, who would do such a thing? Why would they do something like this? I put so much work into this and so much effort into this. And, and so as birds do, the little bird just went back and started getting twigs and straw and, and sticks. And he began to build that nest again. The farmer came out the next day and he noticed that the bird uh, was resilient and he began to build that nest back and he knew what was coming. And so that, that, that farmer, not out of malice and not out of hatred, but that farmer reached in and he took that partially built nest and he ripped it up and he threw it on the ground, hoping that that little bird would go somewhere else and build his nest. Listen to me, listen to me. You say, preacher, I'm I'm going through a storm right now. I'm going through a valley right now. I'm going through a medical problem right now. God hates me. God's judging me. No, no, no. There is a God in heaven that loved you so much that he gave his only son for you. You're his child. You're a child of the king. I don't know a parent in this room who does things out of malice to their children, but I can guarantee you this. Your heavenly father never does anything because he hates you or dislikes you. He does it because he loves you. And I promise you this, he's going to take care of you. Seek to understand. How about this? Number two, start a walk with God. You say, preacher, you're talking about adversity. That's right. Since we know adversity is going to come. Not only seek to understand, but start a walk with God. What do you mean, pastor? I mean, get to know the Lord now. Develop an, uh, an open line of communication now, a direct line. And that way when the problems come and the adversity comes, you've got a direct line. I want to live so close to the Lord that I can simply utter my voice and the Lord will say, I already know. So we have, here at our church, we have a security system. Several in our leadership team and our safety team, they're able to monitor that security system. Every once in a while, we'll have somebody come in, not meaning to, we'll have somebody come in, they'll set the alarm off. And when that alarm goes off, all of those folks in our safety team and our leadership team, immediately they get a notification on their phone. Alarm has just been set off. They can go see who it is and they can... Disarm it. It happens quite a bit. In fact, every once in a while, when that alarm goes off, when I go there and I find out who it is, and I'm, oh, I need to disarm the system, it's already disarmed. You know why? 
because we're all connected and somebody else has already took, taken care of it. I want to be so connected to the Lord that when I have a problem or an adversity and I want to say, Lord, I've got an issue. And God says, I know. I already got the notification. I know about it. I thought about this church. I thought about this every once in a while. We'll have folks who are, folks who are very close to me and they'll text me, and I'm sure you do too, but folks that are very close to me, they'll text me and they'll say something like this. They'll say, preacher, I love you. And preacher, if you need anything at all, just call. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? God has already texted us. Right there it is. Oh, yes, God has already sent you a text. And his text says this, I love you. I loved you so much I gave my life for you. And if you need me, all you gotta do is call. Jeremiah 33, three, the Bible says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You say, preacher, adversity. Yes, adversity is going to come. And since adversity is going to come, number one, seek to understand. Number two, start a walk with God. Number three, quickly, how about this? Number three, store up for times of adversity. Store up for difficult times. Listen to these verses, Proverbs chapter six, verse number six through eight. The Bible says, go to the ant, thou slugger, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How about Proverbs 31 and verse number 19, talking about the virtuous mother. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. You know what both those verses are saying? It's talking about preparation. Preparing. The ant prepares for wintertime, ahead of wintertime. The virtuous lady prepares for her family before they need it. She prepares for winter. Before winter comes. Now, this is all I'm saying this morning. I would encourage you today. You say, Pastor, I'm not going through adversity. Uh, Pastor, I'm healthy. I had my physical the other day. They told me that I, that I was the epitome of health and, and I'm doing great. Okay, so here's my, here's my advice to you. You better store up some favor of God now because there is a very good chance that you may need it down the road. Now, I want to show you something great. Take your Bibles. Uh, this morning, if you will, and turn over to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. And maybe this will help you to understand what I'm talking about today. Proverbs chapter 12. And look at verse number two. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number two. Now, we know the Bible. When the Bible says a good man, we know it's talking about uh, a good man, a good woman, a good Christian. Proverbs 12, verse two. The Bible says a good man. What's the next word? obtaineth, a good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. But a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. Interesting word. It's the Hebrew word P-U-Q. And it means this. It means to draw out. A good man draws out favor of the Lord. Or we could put it like this. Withdrawal. A good man withdraws the favor of the Lord. 
But hey, Calvary, how many know this? If you go to withdraw something out of your account, how many knows you got to put some deposits in there before you can withdraw something out? And some of you know what it means to be overdrawn. Where you're trying to draw out of, out of an account that you haven't put enough into. And what the Bible's teaching us a great lesson here. The Bible is saying this. If when that day of adversity comes and that storm comes, if you want to be able to go to your, your God account and withdraw some favor of the Lord, then you better be making some deposits right now. And somebody says, well, pastor, I don't have COVID. Okay, but uh, I hate to tell you this, but you could. And not even know it. Yes, yeah, so I'll tell you one thing, preacher. I'm getting, so, I'm getting so concerned about this COVID thing. I'm not coming back to church. I hate to tell you this. You can catch it at Walmart too. And I hate to tell you this, but you can catch it at McDonald's and Burger King and Food Line and uh, Harris Cedar. Uh, a church is not the only place, believe it or not, contrary to popular thought, church is not the only place that you can catch COVID. And I'm just saying this, when COVID comes or when cancer comes or when death comes or when heartache comes, oh, listen to me, what we need to do is make deposits, make deposits, make deposits, make deposits into our account. And when that time comes, we can go to our Heavenly Father and say, oh Lord, I gotta have a withdrawal. I gotta have your grace. I gotta have your favor. And thank God there is a God on the other side who says I'll gladly give it to you seek to understand start a walk with God store up plenty of provision how about this one church number four share the love of God man can I show you a great verse would you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number chapter number one 2 Corinthians chapter number one. I'm getting ready to show you why occasionally God allows you to go through adversity. You say, Pastor, if God loves me so much like you say he does, why am I in this major storm? I'm getting ready to show you. 2 Corinthians chapter number one. If you find your place, say amen. amen. Look at verse three. Blessed be God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of what comfort? The God of all comfort. Look at this. Who comforted us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. How many times has this happened in 30 years of pastoring? People come into my office or my study. Life seems like it's falling apart. Sad, discouraged. And they say, preacher, why? Why? And often I'll tell them this. Did you know that God is able to take something that's mighty, mighty bad and use it for something mighty, mighty good? And I say to them sometimes, did you know there's a very good chance that God's gonna bring somebody into your life? 
and you're going to be able to help them in a way I can't. I still have my spouse. By the way, we want to live every day to the full. Because, man, one of the things we're learning is this. We're not promised tomorrow. But I can't go to someone who's lost their spouse and say, I know how you feel. Because I don't. As far as I know, I don't have cancer as far as I know. I, I can't go to someone who's struggling with cancer and chemotherapy and I can't say to them, I know how you feel. You know why? I don't. But some of you do. Some of you have been through problems and you've been through storms and sometimes you look up to God and you say, God, I don't understand this. Why? Would you let me, if you love me, why would you let me go through this? And God says, hang on. Hang on. I'm going to bring somebody by your way and who, by the way, who, by the way, feels like we're not going to make it. I can't survive it. I cannot survive this. And they're going to be able to say to you or you're going to be able to say to them, let me tell you how God brought me through. And you're going to be able to share the love of Christ. Oh, this is good this morning. Hallelujah. We're done. Last of all is this, stand strong regardless of the circumstances. Somebody said this and we're done. The tragedy of life is not the wound because life is so constituted that the wound is inevitable. The tragedy comes when we quit or give up on life because of the wound. When we fall down and we can't get up, there are times, however, when we simply must grit our teeth and say, I may be down, but I'm not out. I read this this week. Our first president of the United States of America, George Washington, from 1732 to 1799, fought nine major battles, nine major battles in the Revolutionary War, listen to this, against the British Empire, nine major battles. He lost six. Six of those battles he lost. But here's the thing about George Washington. He kept on fighting. He kept on fighting and won the war. Hey, listen, adversity is going to come, but there's a reason. Would you bow your heads with us today, Father? Thank you for this time we've had together today. God, I hope we've been able to help your people today. Lord, I, I wish that I could stand up here today and tell our people that problems are never going to come and death is never going to be an issue and no one's ever facing cancer. There's no divorce. No baby's ever gonna die. I wish I could tell our folks that, but if I did, it wouldn't be true. Life's full of adversity. And it doesn't matter if you're saved or lost. It doesn't matter if you're living for Christ or you're away from the Lord. But I'm so glad, Lord, that 
when adversity comes, I have someone I can run to. I'm so glad that I have a city of refuge. <laughs> Man, I had to run to that city this week. Lord, I've come a few times not arguing, not debating, but I come a few times this week with some questions. But I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray, but thank God he maketh no mistake. Lord, our hearts and prayers are with Miss Dreama. And we're asking you to comfort her today and her dear family. I know they're so heartsick today. And I sure pray that you'd give them tons and tons of grace. But the truth of the matter is, this whole world right now is hurting. And there are so many burdens in this room. And there are so many people that are trying to hold it together. And if the truth were known, there's family problems, there's health problems, there's financial problems. There's tests that lie ahead. And Father, help us to realize that we have a God that we can trust. Lord, have your way in this invitation today. Speak to hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Can I ask a question or two? I'll not come back and embarrass you. I won't call you out or anything like that. I just want to pray for you. And I wonder how many are here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I am saved. I've been born again. I'm on my way to heaven. I can take you back to the time and the place. I know that I know that I'm saved. If that's you, you'd slip your hand up right now and say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Can I ask this? Is there one here anywhere who would say, Preacher, I could not raise my hand. In all honesty, I couldn't raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not sure where I'd go. Pastor, I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not 100% sure and man, I sure wish you'd pray for me. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not going to try to drag you down the aisle. I just want to pray for you. I'll not pray for you by name. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. Pray for me. You'd slip your hand up right now. Can I pray for you? Would you be honest? Would you slip it up right now? Let me pray with you. Can I do that? Come on. Be honest right now. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. I'm going to pray for these that have raised their hands. Hey, can I, can I do this without anybody looking? I wonder how many here today and uh, you'd say, Pastor, you didn't even know. But man, oh man, we are going through the storm of our life right now. And we've had questions. Why? Why? I really need some prayer. I want to keep a sweet spirit. I need some prayer. And you'd say, Pastor, remember me right now. Please pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Yep. 
Amen, 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 amen. Yes, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Amen, amen. Oh, listen, there's help. There's help with the Lord. He is truly that God of all comfort. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but it could be there's somebody here today that says, Pastor, went through a major time of adversity, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I felt myself, I felt myself getting a little bitter, questioning God. And I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I sort of got mad. I sort of got mad at God. I am gonna ask you to do this though. I'm gonna ask you to be very bold. And in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to make your way to the altar and just, you just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry for getting mad and irritated and frustrated. And I can't track you, but I can trust you. Would you stand with me all over the house? I'm gonna ask some of our personal workers make their way to the front if they would. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in the invitation. Lord, speak to hearts. Maybe there's someone here, spiritually speaking, they just sort of crawled in. They're so low. Lord, they felt like maybe they couldn't make it another day. Maybe they've not told another soul but they're facing, some, they're facing some very significant things in their life. And Lord, today I pray that you'd help them to come. Maybe there's someone here today, Lord, and they, they've got a little bitter against you because they just didn't understand. It didn't make sense. And they sort of found themselves getting bitter at the Lord. I pray they'll come today and do business with God. Father, save that soul that's lost and undone without Jesus and encourage that one that's discouraged today. And we thank you for all that you're doing, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We have some folks around the front today at the altar and they have a Bible in their hand and they would love to take their Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Folks are in the altar, all over the altar this morning. Hey, you know, maybe it'd be a good idea for you just to slip out and maybe just go beside someone and just pray with them. You don't have to know why they're there. That's not important. But you could just go and offer support and just pray with them. I wish I could tell us that adversity is gonna get less and less. But Calvary, realistically, we're living, I believe, in the last of the last days. And I believe adversity is going to get worse and worse. And we've got to keep a sweet spirit. Man, we've got to let the light of Jesus Christ shine through our attitude and through our spirit. We cannot afford to face adversity like the lost does. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? Father, work in hearts, please. Bless all of those who are in the altars today. And Lord, maybe there's others that ought to respond. Lord, that soul that's lost and undone without Christ, I pray that you'll help them right now. Father, help them to come. Let us take the Bible and show them how they can be born again. 
how they can know they're going to heaven when they die. Father, help them to come. Lord, that one that has become somewhat indifferent because of the storms that are in their life, Lord, today I pray that you'd repair their spirit. And Heavenly Father, they, they may walk out still not understanding, but I pray that they'll walk out with a new peace that passeth all understanding. Father, have your way. Lord, please work. Please, please, please work. We plead the blood of Jesus over the service, and we thank you in Christ's name. Heads are